This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. The Blitz is broadcasting in HD on your FM dial. Turn your HD equipped radio to 106.9 KHDT HD2. All right, a lot to get a lot to get to with Eli Letterman here on the Blitz eleven seventy coming up here in just one second. Broadcasting live from the Ice Chili House Studios, serving four generations of Tolson since nineteen oh eight. Go see Lynn, tell him hello, and enjoy some of the finest quality chili that you will ever experience in your life there at Ike's Chili House Studios, serving four generations of Tolson since nineteen oh eight. The aforementioned Lee Eli Letterman joining us now here on the Blitz. What is up, Eli? What's going on, man? How are you? Pop, I'm I'm doing quite well. I, full disclosure, just made my afternoon tea. I've been writing about OU hoops all day, and now I'm here, I think, to talk about it with uh, with you. So it's all is good on my end. What type of tea are we rocking with today? Today was an Earl Grey day. I'm a pretty I'm a well steeped tea man. I've got, okay. got my my user. I use my loose leaf tea. I'm I'm we're, we're talking about some advanced game here, uh, but that's my that's my afternoon pick me up right there. Well. Then look forward to me sending you a picture of inside my cupboard tonight at my collection of loose leaf teas that I have. And I would like to get a tea aficionado's official response on what he thinks of my collection and what I decide to uh, to use on a regular basis. I can't cannot wait. A quick, quick, quick aside. One of my closest friends in the world recently told me he one day hoped to have an accomplished tea collection. <laughs> now, wait. It was then that I wrote to him. All he was—he was probably about what twenty dollars away from that. If that was a big dream of his, yeah. His tea relatively is not uh, going to break the bank, uh, but I'm very excited to see your okay. collection. Now, now, when I say collection, I probably should have phrased it differently. I don't want you to think that I. I'm spending hundreds of thousands of no, dollars on tea, but, that's the point. but I'm just saying I've got a lot of different kinds of tea because I, I have become more of a tea. I'm a cold brew and tea person now at this stage of my life more than I ever have been ever before. I imagine that tea is pretty important at the end of a long, long week, talking well, all week. Yeah. That's when you really need it. Having to deal with Hubbard. Are you kidding me? Yeah, nothing. And I, I appreciate a, a, a nice Earl Grey as well. I think, uh, I think that is a good choice on a day like today in general. We are going to talk basketball. Don't let me, don't let me get it twisted here. We will talk basketball coming up in a bit. But I haven't talked to you since we had the official announcement with OU and Texas officially gone. What more can we add to it? Um, it was a deal that had been in place in terms of OU, Texas, and the conference for a while. That was all these moving parts with the TV networks. But I, I would assume from the Oklahoma side, everyone is so over-the-top happy to feel like that they're inching closer to having the Big 12 Conference in general in their rearview mirror. Yeah, I think for all parties involved, like getting to this point, this, for, for as acrimonious things were, uh, as things were in July of 2021 with OU in Texas, you know, all that news broke and the thought was the Big 12 was going to dissolve and, and all that uh, animosity was there. I, I think all sides at this point are, are pleased with where it's at because the Big 12 has, has restocked itself. They've expanded. Maybe they expand more. Maybe they don't. 
but they're in a good spot. And Oklahoma State within that is in a good spot. And then on the OUN, you know, OUN Texas would not have pushed for this so hard to get out as soon as they could if, if they didn't see a benefit there, even though they're going to forfeit some money and, and it kind of accelerates that timeline. I think there's there's maybe, I say real concerns. You've know, you got to think about the fact that now this speeds things one year up for, for OU football, speeds things up for every other program, building up the facilities, hiring the staff. So it, it speeds things up. But I think for all parties involved, this is a, a good outcome. Uh, I think the Big 12, I'm sure, is happy. I think the mem- remaining members are happy, and, and I would guess OU and Texas are pretty thrilled. To me, the most interesting macro end of it was the fact that this ultimately came down to the TV networks. The parties that you would think you know, to be involved on the surface, OU, Texas, and the Big 12, ultimately couldn't do a thing until Fox and ESPN budged and as we think about where we're headed in, in college football and, and that being the driving force of all this and the power these TV networks evidently hold, uh, I think that's maybe something to watch, maybe something to be concerned about in the way big macro uh, look on this. Okay, so I know there's a lot going on with basketball, and before you know it, football and the spring version will be back here. Have you heard anything, and um, maybe they haven't had an answer and, and don't have an answer to it, what does this do in terms of time frame for the capital improvements to facilities? Are they going to try to change any type of, of deadlines or dates that they want on this? Does this change anything that they're doing in terms of construction on campus? That'll be a great question for Joe Castiglione. We haven't had um, any time with him since uh, this all became official. But I think that, like, that really has to be the, the big thing. Yeah, I know everyone's mind goes to football, and we, we'll, we'll look at this upcoming year, last year in the Big 12 and all that comes with that, and think about you know the development of OU football and, and what that means. Your three different Venables, perhaps Jackson Arnold's first season starting, will come in the SEC and all that brings. But there really is a bigger end to this. Um, to, to make the move OU is about to make into the SEC, it's going to require the facilities. It's going to require uh, more staff. They're going to have to hire people. And so the infrastructure end of this uh, is really critical and, and maybe not the first thing that comes to mind. Uh, and, and that is now accelerated. That's been sped up. And, and your question right there, I mean, they've got a lot of big plans. We know uh, they're, they're already underway with the softball facility. They've got plans for baseball. There's the huge, you know, if you walk around that football facility in Norman, you wouldn't think there's much you need to add to it. But they're, they feel there is, and they're going to make those moves. And now the question is, how do those timelines line up? Uh, do they have to accelerate them? And by the time they're done, the way things are moving now in, in major college football, how soon before they've got to start doing more work again? Oklahoma basketball, as Eli Letterman joins us, shakes off a seven-game conference losing streak last night. And um, there have been two times, Eli, where I've made little passive comments here during my show uh, and after each comment, they've ended up winning a basketball game that they have no business, or at least you would think have no business winning because of how they played. That's been Alabama and now Kansas State. Uh, how did that happen last night for the Sooners based off of how they've played as of late? Well, the one, a, a, a common thread between those two games is that you had Jalen Hill, Grant Sherfield, and Tanner Groves all on their game on the same night. And Porter Moser pointed that out afterward last night. Yet you had Low Suzanne getting on getting in on the action this time. But it, it sounds so simple. Your best players play well on the same night and things are gonna go well. The reality for OU for, for whatever reason at this point, that's only happened so many times, especially in conference play and since the turn of the calendar, 
Uh, and so that's what they got. He got what has unfortunately been an uncharacteristic OU performance. This was a game where they not only jumped out ahead but held on to their leads and withstood runs and did so many of the things they haven't done in, in Big 12 play. And it, at, at first it, it kind of more resembled those early Big 12 games where they were playing those ranked opponents close and struggling at the end. Uh, it, it was certainly not like those big blowout games. And then they, again, did stuff that they haven't done, which is they, they held off a late Kansas State run, not, not too different from what happened against Alabama. They did a lot of those same things uh, that they did in, in what had previously been their best win of the season. Now you've got two big ones. And the question now, after Alabama was not the springboard we all thought it might be or that OU hoped it would be, is this in this, these late stages of the games they've got left with the resume builders still on the schedule, is can this be some kind of turning point? They've, they've certainly stacked the odds against themselves, but is this the, the, the trajectory-altering win against Kansas State, or is it the blip-on-the-radar uh, night-to-have win? And, and I think that's the question they're going to answer, and it, it doesn't get easy. It's, they've got ranked opponents ahead. They go to Texas this weekend, but if they had any shot, I think, of, of putting themselves into the conversation, it had to come last night, and, and they did that for themselves there. Two things that stand out to me more than anything. Of course, you shoot the basketball from three the way that they did um, will go a long way. But at one point on Saturday, I was listening to the radio broadcast, and I think there was 13 minutes left, and OU had already committed 16 turnovers, what they finished with 24 yep. against Kansas, 11 last night. Uh, on top of Kansas State's 14, uh, which is why I was that I asked you how that happened last night for a reason because it, it, Oklahoma playing the way that they have resembling Alabama, or is this more about Kansas State? But to me, I think that the message here is Oklahoma shoot the ball that like that from three, take care of the basketball, and good things can happen. Yeah, life gets easier when you shoot 47.8% from three point range. That's the best they've shot in Big 12 play. Uh, and, and that made a difference. The same with the turnovers. That Any shot they had against Kansas over the weekend was, was removed immediately by the fact that they turned the ball over more than they had in any game this season. They finished that game with five assists. Last night they had six, I think, nine minutes into the action. So the ball movement was better. It was a, a far better performance. But, again, better performances have not guaranteed wins for the Sooners on the whole in Big 12 play. That's, again, going back to early January and tight losses to Texas, Iowa State, Baylor, uh, all those. So, so they made they made the plays that were different, but this really did come down after all that to the performances they got out of their most important guys. And unfortunately, the, to, to this point, that consistency, getting three or four of them on 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 the right night, and having Tanner Grove stay out of foul trouble, Grant Sherfield finding a rhythm and and having his best rebounding game as a Sooner. Porter Moser called it his most uh, his best floor game since coming to OU, and Jalen Hill, dependable as usual. Lo Suzan has his best uh, scoring night in over a month. All that coincided, and, and that's the stuff you need, especially this time of year in this conference. And the question again remains, which team is going to show up on Saturday in Texas? Because we've, we've seen this this blip before, but, but whether it's going to be a real turning point or just, just another win is, is what you know we'll find out. Final one from me. Um... The ball movement that you mentioned there, second best of the entire season, in your opinion, it felt like everyone was getting a touch last night, and they were doing it with uh, an energy and a level of consistency throughout the entirety of the game that probably only reminded you of Bama. 
Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, if we take away maybe some of those non-conference games, they went the ball pretty well against Central Arkansas, but uh, you know that we're talking different calibers of opponent. Those two games were, were, were easily the best and most dynamic this offense has looked. And, and as we've talked about, I think by design and by personnel, this offense at times is not going to be especially dynamic. It's one of the slowest in the nation. But we've seen what it can look like at its best, and it, it is with ball movement. It's with Grant Sherfield being confident. And I think I think the early starts for him are big. He, he got off to a good start last night. He started grabbing rebounds, and it flowed from there. And Porter Moser talked about how his confidence oozed and, and kind of was transferred to just about everybody else on in that lineup. Started there. It started with Lo Suzan, Otega Owe, uh, who's found his place in the starting lineup. It, it was a you know cliche at a team effort, and uh, unfortunately not. I don't think for lack of trying or togetherness, but those team cohesive efforts have been so hard to come by. Uh, it doesn't help to be playing the best teams in the nation just about every night, um, but they, they finally put it together there, and, and let's see where they go from here. Last one. Um, back to football for a moment. I saw Eric Bailey tweeting about this. I think that's pretty awesome what Brent Venables has decided to do with giving you guys access um, to the early enrollees through Transfer Portal and high school graduates for media interviews. Uh, as Eric said, there's not many Power 5 schools that, that do that anymore. How excited are you to have the opportunity to be able to, to get to know individuals that are just coming into the program? Um, because I think it's as important now as it ever has been before with this expedited version of not just college experience, but the playing experience uh, when it comes to young guys coming in and their early impact in programs. Yeah, tomorrow afternoon we'll be uh, in Norman meeting with Brent Venables. We get to ask him about the SEC uh, and, and the news for the first time, but also we're going to see 25 newcomers be in front of them, get an opportunity to chat with some of those early enrollees, the freshmen like Jackson Arnold and Peyton Bowen, and, and onward from there. And then the transfers. Who, there's a lot of intriguing new faces, a lot of uh, exciting names that have come through. And, and then you make that point on, on Brent Venables and how this, this is unique. It's unique. I, I wasn't here for it, but from past access under Bob Stevenson and Riley, and it's unique, I think, for now at least, around big-time Power 5 college football and in an era of the portal and in, of NIL. I don't think schools can and programs uh, can, can kind of continue to get away, so to speak, with limiting freshmen, limiting players in a world where, you know, we're talking about an open market, but NIL, this is part of that. And, and I think it's also part of then what you can sell. You can say, if you come here, I'm sure it's not the number one selling point, but it's not so bad to say, hey, I transferred here. And, man, a month in, I've got uh, – they're, they're doing a whole media day for me. I'm a newcomer. Uh, they're putting me out there. That's the kind of stuff I, I think programs have to be doing and, and thinking progressively on. And uh, we'll see how tomorrow goes, but I'll credit uh, Brent Venables and, and the program for, for making these guys available this time of year. Eli, have a great rest of your day, man. Appreciate you. Keep up the great work, and uh, we'll check in again soon. Anything you want me to ask, Brent? Uh, I'll text you. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll shoot you a text tonight along with my, uh, with my uh, T pictures. I'll look forward to it. Okay, sounds good, man. All right, thanks. That's Eli Letterman joining us here on the Blitz 1170 via the hotline. Insert your business here. 2.52, take a timeout. Colby Daniels will join us next, part of the Blitz Mix here on the Blitz 1170. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.